Back to our topic for today, which is um, the, the washing of the hands before we eat. So we, we mentioned that um, back in biblical times, the, or really what we could call temple times, which is the first about 1,200 years of Judaism when we had a temple standing first in Shiloh, then later in Jerusalem. Um, keeping the laws of Tumah and Tara was a central part of Judaism. It's hard to imagine today because we're missing this, just as sacrifices was a central part of Judaism when we had the temple. Um, so too, and really because sacrifices was important, the rules of Tara were important as well. In other words, people always had to track their current Tahara status. Are they Tameh? Are they Tahor? There were many different ways that a person could become Tameh, whether through... Um, whether um, through the Tzara's disease, coming in contact with the dead would make a person Tameh, and Nida, as we mentioned, a woman who got her menstrual period, every time a, uh, uh, every time a couple um, had intercourse, they would become Tameh and have to go to the mikveh. Um, every, time one came, uh, every time one touched a dead rodent, one week would become Tameh. So there are many different ways. It's a very complex set of laws. In fact, it's the most complex section of Judaism. And there was a whole list of ways one would become Tameh. And depending on how one would become Tameh, there would then be a process of becoming Tahar, of becoming ritually pure. Generally, that involved going to the mikveh. Uh, a mikveh is a pool of natural water. Natural water, water that flowed into the pool naturally, wasn't brought there, but came either from natural rainwater or from a river or a spring flowed into this pool naturally, that's a mikveh. So we, one would have to immerse oneself in a mikveh, and if anyone's been to Israel, um, you'll see there, there are dozens and dozens of mikvehs all over Israel that have been dug up because it was a central part of Judaism in ancient times. Now, so a person had to track if they were Tameh or Tahar. Certain types of Tumah, if you touch something else, you could make that other thing or that other person whom you touch Tameh as well. So you've got to be careful who you eat with, who you, um, who you touch. It was a very complex system that we know was described in great detail how they kept these laws. They would keep these, keep these laws and always try to track if they were Tame or Tahar. It was mostly relevant in Jerusalem where this temple stood and where they would bring sacrifices. Um, we mentioned previously that in Jerusalem was perfectly clean when we did the class on cleanliness because they didn't want any rodents. Rodents bring Tumah. So they didn't want any rodents. Um, and so, but also outside of Jerusalem, people who want Kohanim that want to eat Teruma, Teruma was the gifts, the tithes that were given to the Kohen, um, would, uh, they would have to be Tahor. In addition, the person who gave the Kohen the tithes had to make sure when they're handling those tithes, they also had to be Tahor, not to render the food itself tummy. Generally, truma was separated from three different types of foods, from grain, from wine, and from oil. And that was given to the Kohen. And there was a, there was a long list of laws. The um, Mishnah, which is the first um, code of our halacha, of our laws, from our oral teachings that was written down about 1,800 years ago, has six sections. And... One of those sections, and the largest of them, is called Taharod, which is all the laws of Tumah. Tumah is when one is impure, and Tahara, when one is pure. So, over the years, like many 
the, uh, like many of the commandments, the original commandments in the Torah, our um, Sanhedrin, our Supreme Council, was instructed by Moses that when necessary, they should create what we call fences or siagim, fences around the laws to keep us from transgressing any of the laws. In other words, expand prohibitions in ways that will make us extra careful or keep us from transgressing different um, Torah prohibitions. One of the laws that are the Sanhedrin made, and this goes all the way back to the days of King Solomon, the Sanhedrin the days of King Solomon, so going back um, close to 3,000 years, that before eating Teruma or before eating sacrifices, one should always rinse one's hands first. And this was not to make one's hands clean, but because of the problem of Tuma. Why? Your hand could always be touching things. Your hands may touch things that are Tame. Um, you may not notice, in order that you should be more cognizant and more aware of what your hands are touching and where your hands are going, they said before eating Teruma or sacrifices, you should always wash your hands first. Teruma, generally, because when you didn't drink oil, but you would, they would drink wine, you drink it in a cup, you don't actually touch the wine. That was not an issue, but when they would eat grain or bread made from Truma, they, or the meat of the sacrifices, they would always have to wash their hands first. Question. You said before that it takes a mikvah to do away with it. So even if you wash your hands, would that lead to the misapprehension that the washing was going to... No, if a person was Tamei, you're correct, they would have to go to the mikvah. Um, they would have to actually immerse themselves in a mikvah. The goal of this commandment was, the Talmud uses the term, yadayim askaniyotein, hands move around. And the idea was that in, a, in the time that they were keeping the rules of Tuma and Tara, a person had to always be careful what their hands were touching. So knowing that you're going to have to wash your hands before you eat was a way of making people more cognizant throughout the day of what their hands were touching, more aware of what their hands were doing. That was the goal behind it. So is that supposed to relieve if you inadvertently touch something that would make you tummy? No, as Stephen just pointed out, you would actually have to go to the mikvah. Washing your hands would not be enough. You would have to immerse your entire body. But this was just kind of an additional thing that they added on. Even when you are tahar, when you are ritually pure, you still would have to wash your hands before eating bread of teruma or eating sacrifices. Now, the sages in general encourage that people should always, even if they are not a Kohen, and even if they're not in Jerusalem, they should always be aware of their Tuma or Tahara status, and that was a standard, and we know um, great detail. Um, people were, it was something that people were very aware of, their status at any point, their Tuma or Tahara status. And therefore, um, at a certain point, they expanded the rule of washing hands, which kept your hands, which would remind you to watch what you do with your hands, um, they kept, they ex expanded that rule to all bread. They said anytime you eat bread, you should wash your hands first to retain and remember what you're doing, keep track of your hands. And so they required all washing hands before eating bread because bread was the most common form of teruma, was the general form of teruma. As we said, oil wasn't eaten, wine you drink in a cup you don't actually touch, but bread you generally eat with your hands. Now, once the temple was destroyed, the laws of Tuma and Tahara are generally no longer relevant, with the exception of Nita, as we said. 
And um, we don't have a temple anymore. We cannot go onto the temple. We are all Tamei since we don't keep the laws anymore. So we're not allowed to go onto the temple mount at all. Um, we're also, we don't have sacrifices to eat sacrificial meat. We do not eat Teruma anymore, or even Cohen's do not eat Teruma anymore. So the laws of Tuma and Tara are generally not relevant. Yet, the rule of washing hands before eating any bread remains in place. We still wash our hands before eating bread. That original rule remains in place. The Talmud says, why do we do it today? The reason why we do it today is because there is a command in the Torah um, that the Talmud phrases, Lishmoa divrei chachamim. To listen to the rules or follow the rules made by our Sanhedrin or Supreme Council. In other words, once the, San, the Torah empowered the Supreme Council, the Sanhedrin, to make rules, which they did in the early days of Judaism. We don't have a Sanhedrin and have not had one for 1,700 years. So we did have rules for... Uh, we did have the Sanhedrin making rules in the first 1,700 years of Judaism. And until they reverse a rule, once they have made a rule, then we... Our, the Torah requires us to follow those rules. So given that this is a rule made by the Sanhedrin, by the Supreme Council of Judaism almost 3,000 years ago, and it was never reversed, even though the reasoning behind the rule, which was the Tuma and Tahara, even though that is no longer relevant, yet the rule still stands. And therefore we still... Um, we still need to wash our hands before eating bread. Now, Rabbi Mordechai Yaffe, a great scholar from the 1600s, points out that, in a sense, the rule of washing hands is still relevant today. There are a number of commandments that we keep today because we believe that at any moment Moshiach will come and take us back to the Promised Land, rebuild the Temple reinstate sacrifices, and so we need to be prepared for that. And so we have many rules in Judaism that we have to be prepared for when this happens. And so therefore Rabbi Mordechai Yaffa suggests that in a way the washing of the hands is still relevant today. Because when Moshiach comes, and that could happen at any moment and the temple is rebuilt, we will need to be in a state of tahara. So we need to be used to washing our hands before eating bread. So therefore, we still keep it up to date. We still keep this rule now as well. Um, also, another reason given why this rule is still relevant today is um, that not only is it part of the rules of Tara, but washing hands is a way of making ourselves holy or making ourselves separate. Holy in, in Hebrew means separate or unique, distinct. And the Kohanim, the priests in the temple, whenever they would come into the temple, remember they couldn't walk into the temple if they were Tameh, if they were ritually impure. They always had to be Tahor, ritually pure, before entering the temple. But once in the temple, before they began their service, the first thing that they would have to do is, there was a big copper bowl in the temple or basin, that had, and they would have to wash their hands and feet from this basin as a preparation to essentially be clean before God or be extra holy before God. Today we don't have a temple, yet every time we eat, um, 
our, we are, um, our table is considered compared to an altar in that the food that we eat is um, considered holy. We have the ability to take the food that we eat and eat food that has no value to us, no meaning, or add spiritual value to our food, spiritual meaning to our food. We spoke about this when we spoke about the sacrifices by eating purposefully. In other words, whenever we eat, we should do so in a purposeful way. And so because of that, because we're serving God in our food, therefore we should still wash our hands in preparation for that service of God. Eat bread with a fork and a knife? No, no. I'm well, saying, cake. I'm saying, if I was just eating bread with a fork and a knife, I'm not touching. Then we don't have to wash our hands. What? We don't have to wash our hands. Okay, it's only if you're picking up the bread. Mm-hmm. Which are always breaking bread. So, so now that we know why we where it comes from, we do have this rule. Um, that the Sanhedrin made that we've been doing for almost 3,000 years, that before we eat bread, we wash our hands. Now, since the original rule was made for tuma, which was generally eaten as bread, we only need to wash our hands before eating bread. Now, when we eat bread, we also have a special blessing. Before we eat anything, we have a special blessing that we eat. We have different blessings for different foods. For grains, we have a blessing that we make, which we make before every time we eat grain. When we eat bread, though, we have a different blessing, which is Hamotzi Lechem Minaaretz, who he who brought bread, Baruch HaTashem Lokeinu Melech Olam, Hamotzi Lechem Minaaretz, he who brought bread out of the earth. So we have a special blessing when eating bread. We also, when eating bread, when we finish eating bread, when we finish eating any food, we make a blessing. Generally, it's a fairly short blessing. But when we finish eating bread, we do the birkat hamazon, the um, blessing after a meal, which is a somewhat long blessing we do at the end of this class. And a couple months ago, we spoke about, in detail, the blessings on the food. So... So when we eat the so when we, so we have in halach in Jewish law a special definition for bread because it has a special blessing beforehand, special blessing afterwards, and then we also need to wash our hands when eating bread. So bread is anything that is made of dough that comes from one of five grains that are recognized um, in Judaism: wheat, barley, oats, rye, or spelt. Those are the five grains, um, and generally, whenever we have grain in Judaism, such as matzah that must come from grain. Um, it always has to be one of those five grains. Um, so it must come from dough, from one of those five grains, mixed with water. And so only then is it considered bread. If it is not mixed with water, you mix it with other things, uh, mixed with eggs, for example, such as some cakes, or if it's mixed with um, or if it is um, not a dough, it's just a batter, such as most cakes, um, it is not considered bread. There are also some other exceptions if it's made in very small pieces, um, or if it's made with fillings, it is also not considered bread. Yeah. Why do we not talk between... Very good question. I will get there in a moment. Apparently, okay. I can't get the question out. Okay. No. no, very good question. So... So the Talmud tells us 
that we should also wash our hands before eating wet food that we are eating with our hands. So if you eat wet food by hand, you should wash before you eat those wet foods. Now, generally, we don't eat most foods by hand, um, nor have we historically. Um, we Jews have always been very clean people. Um, and so, uh, but there are certain foods that you eat by hand, notably fruits and vegetables are often eaten by hand. We're not allowed to eat them when they're... If we eat them when they're wet by hand, we should wash beforehand. So best we... So generally, we don't usually do the actually wash before eating fruits and vegetables by hand when they're wet. We rather simply dry them. And then again, because wet foods also had... Were part of the laws of Tuma and Tara were also a problem. And in those days, they used to wash before eating wet foods. Um, but we generally do not eat wet foods by hand. And uh, if they are wet, we have the option of drying them. The only time we actually still do wash our hands before eating a wet food is at our Seder. So as you know, at our Seder, after we make Kiddush, the next step is we wash our hands. And then we do not eat the bread yet, but we eat a vegetable that we dip in salt water. And that we eat, we do not dry off. And so it's a wet food that we're eating with our hands. And so we do wash before we eat it. So that is, that is the one time that we actually do it. Generally, otherwise, it's not done. Since there's some ambiguity about whether this washing is required or not, we do not make a blessing as we would when we regularly wash. Yeah. In addition, there's another time, before I get to the details of how we wash, and I'll go soon, soon go through all the details, including why we don't talk, um, but there is another time that we wash that I think we, need to, we should just mention, which is when we wake up in the morning. So just as the Kohen we mentioned earlier, when he came into the temple, before he began the service, he would wash his hands and feet um, before he began the service as part of um, cl- cleaning himself before God. In the same way, every time we wake up, our sages said, before we... Um, pray or begin our prayers and we have daily prayers that we say every morning before we begin any prayer we should first uh, we should first always wash our hands and so the Talmud and the Zohar also tell us that when we wake up in the morning there is a certain tumah there's a certain impurity that remains on us when we wake up the reason is because our soul ascends to heaven when we sleep or part of our soul and um, therefore we have this impurity on us when we are sleeping and when we wake up it remains in our hands and we get rid of that by washing our hands and the Zohar tells us that we should wash it three times on each hand and we shouldn't wash either either hand oh we shouldn't wash one hand at a t- we shouldn't wash one hand three times but rather switch off do one hand wash first on our right hand then on our left hand, then on our right hand, then on our left hand, then on our right hand, then on our left hand. And we should do this every single morning before we begin our prayers. Yes? Why hand washing instead of mikvah for the morning? Um, we're not required to go to the mikvah every morning. Um, but if you're talking but about tume, again, you're Because it's a minor tumah. It's a very minor tumah that one does not need to go all the way to the mikvah for. Different customs with different numbers. In the morning, there's no different customs with different numbers, but I will get to the other one soon. Okay. So let's get back to the washing over bread. So before we eat bread. Gidon, you had a question? Asaka? 
Very good. So it actually says in the Zohar that one should not walk at all before, um, not only one should not pray, but one ideally should not even get out of bed before um, washing one's hands in the morning. And therefore there is a Jewish custom, while it is a standard in all Jewish communities, and is an accepted custom across the Jewish, uh, to, and has always been uh, universally accepted to wash one's hand before um, prayer, as six times before prayer, three on each hand, um, in the mornings, but because of the statement of the Zohar, one should not get out of bed before washing. Um, therefore, there there is a custom that many exists in many communities, though not all, to actually have a washing, uh, to actually have a cup with a bowl to wash one's hand right next to one's bed. So before one goes to sleep, to fill up a cup with water and uh, place it next to your bed in a bowl, and then in the morning before getting out of bed to actually wash your hands. No, it's a custom. And not all communities do it, but many do. So let's move back to the hand washing before we eat bread. So the Talmud tells us we have to go to great lengths to make sure we have water to wash our hands. Um, and if, even if we are traveling and don't have water with us, we should still go to great lengths to try to um, make sure we have water. If not, it's best to avoid eating bread if you do not have access to water. Um, now, the water, we are told, cannot come out of a faucet, but should be poured from a cup, just as was done by the Kohanim. When the Kohanim would wash their hands in the morning, it was, came from this big basin that they would, um, in the temple, and so which was essentially a big cup. Um, so we should wash it from a cup. So, too, one of the ways that the person would become tahor from a certain type of tumah, from certain types of ritual impurity, involved water sprinkling, sprinkling of water, mechatos, and that always had to be done with water from a cup. So because of that, one always needs to use a cup in order to, when washing hands. So you can't just turn on the faucet and put your hands underneath, but you actually need to use a cup and pour, fill up a cup and pour water from a cup over your hands in order for the hand wash, in order to follow this rule of hand washing. Now, the cup must be complete. It cannot have any holes or cracks in it. And it must be complete throughout the entire cup, including the top of the cup. So the top of the cup needs to be complete. You cannot use any sort of jug with a spout on it where part of it is a little bit lower. It doesn't have a perfect rim. Um, should not be used for hand washing. It must be a cup that has um, a perfect rim all around. It doesn't have any holes. It doesn't have any spout. Sorry? The reason for that is that you need, it needs to be in a cup just as they had in the temple and just as we had with the mechatos. And when you pour with through a spout, so then the, the water is passing through a part that is not halachically considered a cup because the part that is uneven is not part of the cup. So the entire thing must be considered a cup. So um, also we cannot have water that pours itself, um, but we must actually pour a person, must pour the water. You can either pour the water yourself or you can have someone else pour you. And there's a custom in many communities on Shabbat or definitely oh, by the Seder to have someone else pour you, uh, pour the water on your hands. Um, so you don't have to actually do it yourself, but a person must pour, should pour the water. And this is just as the um, mechatat, which was a process of purity that 
is described later in the Torah for someone who came tamay by coming in contact with the dead. They had to have water sprinkled on them and then it had to be sprinkled by another person. So the same thing also here, it must be poured on by a person, which could be ourselves, of course. You, you, every person could use a cup. But they, I mean, two people can't use the same cup because they would contaminate with the... Two people could use one cup. Yeah. Two people could use one cup. Well, well, you count at the same time. You do it one at a time. Yeah. Yes. But, before, but somebody, some part of that cup's been touched before the outside. The outside, not the inside, not the water inside. Oh. Not the water inside. So... Before washing our hands, so how do we actually wash our hands? So we have to have this big cup that's going to be big enough, not just a little cup, it's going to be a big cup that's going to have enough water to cover our hands. So before washing our hands, the first thing that we need to do is we have to make sure our hands are always perfectly clean. So we always have to look at our hands, which is why Jews always have clean hands, because whenever we eat bread, we always need to make sure our hands are clean. So too, when we pray, we need to make sure our hands are clean. We particularly have to check under our nails. We can't have any dirt under our nails. So, most common place on your hand that tends to be dirty. So then, we fill up the cup with water. And then we have to, when, after filling up the cup with water, and um, you can see the cup better. After filling up the cup with water, we then have to pour it over our hand. We first do the right hand. And the reason why we always start with the right in Judaism is because right is the sign of kindness. So everything, we always start with the right Right is kindness, right is kindness, and left is discipline. We always want to start with kindness, discipline. So chesed and gvura. So we always want to start with kindness, so we always start with the right hand. So we fill up the cup, um, we then got to hold it in your left hand, and you pour the water over your right hand, and you have to pour it over your entire hand until your wrist. So, and you have to make sure it covers, you have enough water to cover the entire hand, and you don't, if you hold your hand in one place, sometimes the bottom doesn't get wet, you've got to make sure to move your hands, that the entire hand gets wet. Now, then we are able to, um, then before, now, after having poured the water over our hands, the Talmud says, so now, your hand is now tahor. However, the water that touched your hand as you were pouring becomes tamay in turn. It is a lower level tuma that cannot go back and make your hand tamay, but your hand is tahar, the water remains tamay. So you have to wash off that first layer of water that you washed on your hand, so you wash your hand a second time. So in that way, we have to wash our hand once, and then we wash it again, to wash off all the water from the first time. Then we transfer it to the other hand. And now we wash our left hand once to make our hand tahar. And then a second time we wash it again to wash off the water that has become tameh from the first time. So first we do it two times over our right hand. And then we wash it two times over our um, left hand. So now there is a, um, now we have to be careful that after washing one hand, one hand is, after you wash your right hand, your right hand is tahar, ritually pure. Your left hand is still tameh. If your left hand touches your right hand, it will make it tameh. So your hands can't touch while you're doing this. 
So because of that, we've created a great invention, which is the two-handed cup. So that's why the washing cups paid for washing your hands, and they're specially made. You buy them in any Judaica store, and we've had these for a very long time, are always two-handed cups. Why? You hold one handle with your left hand while washing your right hand, then you hold the other handle with your right hand, and your hands do not touch while washing. Now, there is another view that tells us that there is another view, another view, and we've shown him from going back seven, eight hundred years, that in case one's hand is dirty and one did not notice, one should first wash their hand just to make sure it's clean and then wash their hand two more times because if your hand is not clean, it doesn't count. And so therefore many, including um, myself or um, many people have a custom to wash their hands three times. So they'll wash it first three times on the right, the first time to make sure their hand is clean, the second time to, um, to make it pure, tahor, and the third time to rinse off the tame water, and then pass hands and wash three times on the left hand. But there are other it doesn't things. matter whether you start with the inside of your hand or the outside of your hand. No. no, you just got to get the whole hand. Okay. No, we do each hand three times. In the morning when we wash, the Zohar says do not do, and I don't know the reason why, but the Zohar says do not do one hand three times, just because the morning we do three times on each hand, um, because that's the way to purify from that kind of tumah. Um, again, none of this is necessarily logical, but that's the instructions we're given. Uh, but in the morning we do one on each hand, moving back and forth. When we wash before bread, though, we do three times on two or three times on one hand, and then two or three times on the other. So, and then you have to dry it really carefully. Very good. So, before we dry our hands, not there yet. So, now your hands, now you got wet hands. Um, now you got wet hands. Now, normally, whenever we do a mitzvah, we always, before we start the mitzvah, we make a bracha, we make a blessing. We thank God for doing the mitzvah. Before we light Shabbat candles, you make a blessing. Before, sorry, Shabbat candles is after, but generally it's before. Before you put on tefillin, you make a blessing. Before you put up a mezuzah, you make a blessing. Before you eat matzah at the Seder, we make a blessing. And the blessing is always Asher Kedishat, Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you God, Elokeinu Melech Olam, our God, King of the Universe. Asher Kedishat Abimitzvotav, that sanctified us through His commandments, Vitzivano, and commanded us, and then we say whatever commandment it is. So, when washing hands, we also have to make a blessing, thanking God for this commandment. Now, the truth is, God did not command us to do it. In other words, the Torah doesn't explicitly tell us to wash our hands. It rather was a rule made by the Sanhedrin, by the Supreme Council. Yet, we make this blessing of Asher Kedishan B'mitzvotav for every mitzvah that we do, of which there are six, that were made by the Sanhedrin, by the Supreme Council, for all such um, mitzvahs, we make the blessing, thank you God for sanctifying us and commanding us with this mitzvah, because God commanded us to follow the instructions of the Sanhedrin, and they commanded us to do this. 
So they commanded us the, the mitzvahs that are included also, in addition to the hand washing, the mitzvah of lighting the menorah on Hanukkah, we would make the blessing. That's made a rule made by the Sanhedrin, or hearing the Megillah on Purim which is also another rule made by the Sanhedrin. So these are some of the other rules. Um, and lighting Shabbat candles is also a rule made by the Sanhedrin. Um, it's not a, it wasn't originally in the Torah. And uh, we make the same blessing, Asher Kedishano b'mitzvotav, he who sanctified us with his commandments, commanding us to listen to the Sanhedrin, who commanded us to do this mitzvah. Now normally you always, generally you make a blessing before you do the mitzvah, Thank you, God, for commanding me to do the mitzvah, and then you do the mitzvah. There are a handful of exceptions to that. One of them is candle lighting, when we light candles before Shabbat, because after thanking God for the mitzvah of Shabbat, it's, we're already essentially accepting the beginning of Shabbat, after which you're no longer allowed to light fire. So therefore, we first light it, and only then do we make the blessing. One of the other few exceptions to this rule is also washing hands. Because before we washed our hands, our hands are tame, they're unclean. We don't want to make the blessing while, unclean, while our hands are unclean. We prefer to make it while our hands are tahar, while they are ritually clean. And so therefore we wait till after we wash our hands to make the blessing. But because part of the process of washing the hands is drying it, we make the blessing while our hands are still wet before we dry them. So we hold our hands up so that um, we hold our hands up and uh, we make the blessing, uh, or some people hold their hands together. Now they're both tahar, so they can touch each other. And uh, they, we make the blessing, Asher Kiddishanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu, he sanctified us with his command, Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu melech olam, blessed to you God, our King, the King of the universe, Asher Kiddishanu b'mitzvotav, that sanctified us with his commandments, v'tzivanu, and commanded us, al netilat yadayim, about washing the hands. And so um, that's thanking God for this commandment. And then after that, we then need to dry our hands. We need to dry our hands well. And that is because when hands are wet, they can more easily become tame. And so therefore, we have to dry our hands well. However, we must now be aware of where our hands are so that our hands do not touch anything that is tame before we eat our bread. So we have to be very aware of our hands not to touch anything, or not to touch anyone else's hands that are tamay, um, or anything that would be tamay before eating bread. And so because of that, any time in Jewish law, which is a number of such times, that we want to make sure we don't lose focus, we don't talk. Why? Because talking is the best way to lose focus and get distracted. We don't want to get distracted. So therefore, after washing our hands and making the blessing, we do not talk until, so that we don't touch anything with our hands, um, until we get to the bread, we cut the bread, we eat the bread. We always make a blessing, of course, before eating bread, as we mentioned earlier. Baruch atah Hashem, Elokeinu melech olam, hamotzi lecha minaret, you brought bread out of the earth. Um, and then, um, and the, only then, are we, we're, we're now eating, we're not worried that our hands will start touching other things while eating, or touch other people's hands, and so now we are able to, um, now we talk after we eat the bread. What about dipping the bread in salt? What's that about? Good question for a different, for a different time. So, that's how come, that's how come the German custom is to come back next week. The German custom is actually to wash before the kid. That way you walk it right through through. So the Talmud tells us, yes, Bill? 
Yes. No. No, no. They did delegate. In other words, they gave us a lot of rules for the future. We don't have any Sanhedrin to eliminate any of these rules now. Okay. You mentioned the mitzvahs were washing hands, letting the menorah, hearing the yallah, and lighting the Shabbat candles. What are the other two? Uh, reciting the Hallel, uh, which we recite on holidays, and um, Eruv, of which there's three different subcategories of Eruv, but making an Eruv. So... The Talmud tells us um, that two stories, two interesting stories about washing hands. Firstly, the Talmud says that a fellow who was not careful about washing his hands ended up eating non-kosher meat. Here's how it happened. There was a time when the um, authorities, presumably the Romans, made it illegal to sell kosher meat. And so there was someone who had an inn, or today they would call it a restaurant, where he would serve food. But his food was not officially kosher, and most of his food was not kosher, a Jew, and he would only serve kosher to people whom he knew wanted kosher. He was afraid to ask, because it was dangerous to ask if people wanted kosher. He had secret kosher food. But what he would do is if he would see someone washing their hands, he would serve them kosher food. If he didn't see them washing their hands, he assumed that they weren't Jewish or didn't care, and he would serve them the non-kosher food. There was a fellow who was not very careful about washing his hands. He comes in, he has his meal, he pays, he leaves, and then he comes the next day, and um, he comes the next day, and he washes his hands before he eats. He sits down, and this time he gets the kosher meal. At the end, he gets a bill that was double his bill the day before. <laughs> and so he says, why is it so expensive today? He said, well, I gave you a kosher meal. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret, but I gave you the kosher meal. So he said, and yesterday you didn't give me a kosher meal? I came here because I thought I was getting a kosher meal. They told me this is a place where I could get a secret kosher meal. He said, well, yesterday you didn't wash your hands, so I assumed that you weren't kosher. So um, that was a way the Talmud says that the washing our hands, in a sense, like everything else, makes us distinct. Uh, we have another, a number of other things in Judaism, including kosher itself, um, that makes us very distinct from people around us. And part of Judaism is making us separate and distinct. We don't eat the same foods as others. But even when we do eat with others, we get up when I have a lunch with someone. I say, I, before I begin, I have to go and wash my hands um, for the bread and then come back and eat. So um, it's something that's kind of an extra thing where it kind of sets us apart when we are eating bread, um, sets us apart from other people. Yes? That's a good question. All kosher restaurants um, have one of these. Um, you could always use any cup. Any cup will work. You just might have to fill it up multiple times. But it needs to be a cup. It needs to be a cup. But you could use a cup. They actually have um, some of these that are kind of smaller travel ones that you could buy. But if you're in a place at an airport somewhere or in a park somewhere, um, you could use a cup um, as well. That works just as well. Just to be careful when transferring from one hand to the other that your hands don't touch. Uh, but you can use a cup. What Any cup will work. That is a very good question. When I get off the plane, since you asked, um, when I get off the plane, especially when I take the red eye, because I like to take the red eye, um, 
when, when I get off the and I need to wash my hands in the morning. So when I get off the plane, the first thing I do is I walk into the one of the places in the airport and I get an empty cup. And uh, they always give it to me. Uh, sometimes they don't, but usually they do. A few times I've gotten a no, you can't have that. But uh, usually don't. And if you don't, then what? Um, in the morning, you cannot pray until you get one. Um, otherwise, you cannot. You, ideally, you should better not eat. If you have no choice, you could eat bread without touching it. You know why they won't give you a cup? They're counting the cups so that they know how much they're supposed to have sold. Maybe. Just take it off So. So then the Talmud tells another story. Let me finish off. The Talmud tells another story that the great sage Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva was perhaps we could say uh, the greatest sage of all times. Um, great individual. We did a class some time ago where we discussed his life in great detail. But his life ended in a horrible way. At the very end of his life, um, after the, uh, a great war between Jews and Romans, uh, the Romans outlawed all Judaism. You weren't allowed to be Jewish. You weren't allowed to teach Torah. Rabbi Akiva continued to, be, to publicly practice Judaism and publicly teach Torah. And so because of that, he was arrested. Eventually, he was tortured to death. But while he was in prison, he would be given one bowl of water or one pail of water every day. That was all he got. Rabbi Akiva would separate half his water. It wasn't a lot. It was a small amount of water. Half his water he would use to wash his hands, and the other half he would use for drinking. So that was water that he was supposed to drink, his entire allocated amount, and he used half of it to wash his hands. So one day the jailers didn't like the fact that he used half the water to wash his hands, so they decided to give him only half. One day they only gave him half. And so he decided he took that half the water, he used that to wash his hands, and did not drink that day. And so it shows us how important um, it is to wash our hands, um, the mitzvah of washing hands. And um, Rabbi Akiva was ready to go through great pain to make sure that he washed his hands. Um, this is both for the morning washing and washing hands before bread. Now, as we mentioned earlier, the reason why our sages made this rule is because yadayim askaniyosheim. Our hands touch things. Our hands are always moving. Hands, human hands are the best gift that we've ever, that God gave us. One of the greatest gifts God gave us. Because we can do everything with our hands. It sets us apart, other than our brains and our ability to speak, it's the other thing that sets us apart from animals. We have hands that are very delicate. We're able to do some very, very sophisticated things with our hands. Um, and uh, we're able to make all sorts of things, do all sorts of things. Unfortunately, we also can use our hands for harm. And so just as we're supposed to be very aware of our speech, and uh, that's for a class about speech, we're supposed to be very aware of what we're saying, we also need to be very aware of our hands and what they're doing. And the goal of washing hands is in order for us to be always cognizant of our hands. Is what we're doing right now with our hands something good? Or are we doing something bad with our hands? I always tell my kids, because kids sometimes you know, use your hand, their hands for the wrong reasons. And um, I always remind them that 
God gave us hands to use for good things. But it's not only true for children, it's true for adults and for everyone. We could use our hands for good and for bad. And in general, we could do everything. We could do good and bad in our life. But we should be particularly aware of our hands, which are what we use for everything that we do. What are you doing with your hands now? Are you doing something of value? Are you doing something bad? Are you doing something positive? Are you doing something negative? In um, Jewish traditions, we would not even just tear things or destroy things because you're doing something negative with your hands. Uh, we don't just walk past a tree and absentmindedly pull off a leaf. Firstly, who gave you the right to kill that leaf? Right? You're killing it. Who gave you the right, right to do it? If you're not helping the tree and it's not for a purpose, who gives you the right to do that? But also, why you're being destructive with your hands for no purpose, for no reason. You take a piece of paper and you shred it in your hand with your hands out of your, you know, just to, because absent-mindedly you're being destructive with your hands. Why are you doing this? So we should always be cognizant, aware of what our hands are doing. Remember, God gave us our hands; we should use it for holiness and for positive things.